0: Luke 10, verse 1, we're going through verse 20. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before His face into every city and place where He Himself was about to go. Then He said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His harvest. "'Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his wages.' Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you, and heal the sick there, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, The very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven will be brought down to Hades. He who hears you, hears me. He who rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. Then the seventy returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Amen. You may be seated. Today, I want to do a little checkup for us. It's real simple. By a show of hands, did everybody this last seven days do everything they possibly could for God? If so, raise your hand. Okay. Checking on our honesty level. (laughs) That's the first thing. Now, here's what I also want to tell you. That what we share here today, no matter how glorious or inglorious it might be, it's here for us to show before God. It's not for someone else to go, oh, that's you know, I can't believe they didn't do that, or, or, or I can't believe they did that, or thank God they did. That. It's not about that. It's about you and God. Okay? Simple enough. Just want you to know that. Because at the end of this message, I'm going to ask you a question, and, and that's the answer that you're going to have to give God, not me. Not this room. If you were to answer this question, what would it be? How well did you serve God this week on a scale of 1 to 10? Once you get the number in your mind, I want to ask you this also. Was that number an upward or a downward trend from the week before? Are you moving closer or further away are you kind of staying stagnant? A lot of us don't like these questions, but if we don't begin to answer them honestly, we don't begin to grow and transform. We're either drawing closer to God, or we're not. And that's important. Scripture tells us, draw near to God, He will draw near to you. It's an action part on us, isn't it? What about this week? What would you say you did to serve God? How would you answer that question? How much time did you spend telling others about Jesus? How much time did you spend in prayer? How much time did you spend studying the Bible, reading the Word of God? I'm not asking you for hard numbers to share with people. I'm just asking you if you even know. Some of us can go, yeah, none. (laughs) And we go, "Uh," "Or yeah, none. (laughs) Or oh, we go, oh, yeah, none. That's not wrong. It's honest. But it doesn't mean you're growing. And that also would be an honest statement that if you're not getting closer to God, there's something wrong in your faith. Walk. And we need to look at that, don't we? There are a group of people called the 72. Maybe you've heard of them. In this passage I read, it starts out in the New King James as saying that Jesus called 70 people together. Most people believe it's actually 72 because at that time, there were 72 nations on earth. He's sending them two by two to the nations. Now, that, that's that's kind of neat that He's got 72 people going out. And, and it, it is. But if... You miss the rest of the story if you haven't read chapter 9. At the very beginning of chapter 9, he sends out the 12. And he sends them out to go. But he sends them into the regions nearby. But to the 72, he sends them in distances. And when they come back, they're excited. These 72, as our conference calls them, the 72... They had answers to the questions I just asked you that we could probably guess. How much time did you spend telling others about Jesus? Well, they were commissioned to do just that. Almost every waking minute, they were talking about Him and the Kingdom of God at hand. They were also healing the sick. They were also casting out demons. They were working sun up, sun down all day for Jesus. They were in prayer. They were singing together and celebrating Jesus Christ. And everywhere they went, they saw the power of God going through them. Now, I don't know about you, but if if you were endued with this great power from Jesus Christ, that you could walk into a hospital, say, or into a nursing home, or down the streets of a city, and said, all who are sick come near and you will be healed. Would you spend your time doing it for about 25, 30 minutes and seeing how many folks God could change? Or would you go, well, I'm too busy? I don't know about you, but wouldn't it be great to clean out all the hospitals in the region? Um, the political people wouldn't like that very much. Hey, you're messing up our income level. We've got to get some more Medicare folks in here. Something. And all the people who are on disability, you heal them. They can go back to work. Some folks wouldn't like that. Some folks would. But would you? And if you did, would you be excited that God was using you to do that? Would you want to do more? Find other hospitals. Mayfield, uh Nashville, Goodness sakes, there's a bunch of them down there that need folks healed. The Mayo Clinic. (laughs) I know something better than the Mayo. You walk in and say, I got something better than the Mayo doctors. How about Corsairs? How many of you would drive to Corsairs if you could get those kids healed? Every last one of them. Would you do it? Or would you say, I'm too busy? I got other stuff to do that's more important. What would you do? These are serious questions, and because we don't believe we have that kind of authority and power, we don't contemplate the question because it's not a part of our reality. But God called us to serve somewhere, to do something, some way, somehow. At our annual conference, when it was in Paducah a couple years ago, they introduced to us this 72 people in Luke 10. This is what they said. And this is the theme of the conference. 72 and You. (laughs) When I first saw it, I said, that's a dumb title. And then they started talking about the 72 and it says, and you're one of them. that has been sent. One of them that God has called and chosen to worship and serve. And I believe these 72 could say, "I, I spent a lot of time talking about Jesus. I spent a lot of time doing kingdom work. When they came back, Now, Jesus sent them out, obviously in the first verse and second verse with instructions. And they came back and they were excited. And you can hear what they said there in the 17th verse when they returned with great joy. And they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in Your name. They're excited about that. They were celebrating the power of God Through them. They didn't say the demons were subject to us. They were subject to us in Your name. Which means they acknowledged Jesus Christ in what they were doing. That's the first clue, isn't it? That we need to acknowledge Jesus Christ in what we're doing before the world can ever change around us. Can you remember, I hope there's a first time, the first time you experienced the power of God work through you? Where you prayed and something happened or or you saw God's power just happen and, and you were there. Can you remember the first time? When that happens, it's like a bolt of energy. It's like a, a supercharged fate comes along and you go, God, you can do anything if you did that and you get excited. You remember what happened in October, Ginger, at your workplace, how everybody was supercharged, how we were excited when John got restored and Jackie restored. We had a supercharged bolt go through us like lightning, like God's presence lit up the place. God's power was doing something. And, and that, 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 that experience was awesome. But I have to ask this question along with that. When was the last time you experienced that power of God? For some of us, it was October. <laughs> and that's way, way too long ago. For some of us, we don't remember the last time. When was the last time you saw God's power work through you and around you? We need to know. Because according to Scripture, it should be happening on a regular basis because you have the Holy Spirit in you and the authority of Jesus Christ upon you. And you're wearing His mantle. So you have His authority. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus talks about us. Uh, It's not a rumor. (laughs) In case you're wondering, it's not gossip. It's not speculation. It's fact. And this is what he says in verses 14 forward. He says, You are the light of the world. You. Us are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. Now what he's saying here, when he says the city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden and a light isn't put under a basket but on a stand so it can give light, he's talking about what God's trying to do with us. You are the light of the world. He's not going to hide you. He wants you exposed to the world and the world exposed to you. He's not going to put you in a valley. He's going to put you on a hill. He's going to exalt you high enough so that your light shines around. That's God's light, so people can see it and come to God because of you. Then he says this in verse 16, this is the believer's declaration of independence, or shall we say, dependence on Christ. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. This is your authority in Jesus Christ that your light so shine that they would see what you do in the name of Jesus and give glory to God. A lot of people want to get the glory for themselves. But there's another aspect to what he calls us to. In Philippians, Paul tells us about it in chapter 2. I like what he says. He says in verse 14, Do all things without complaining and disputing, A lot of people grumble. "...that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God, without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in a world." Christians shine. That's our job. When we pray, God moves. The prayer of a righteous person availeth much. We need to be working on being righteous before God in His Word and in His truth. He wants that for us. He desires that for us. And when these 70 come back, they're excited that the demons are subject to them. And Jesus says, Oh yeah? I saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky, from heaven itself. And I thought when I first read that, that it meant because they were casting out those demons. But I don't believe that's what he meant. I believe that it was at the moment when he was pushed out of heaven by God the Father at the fall of Satan that Satan fell like lightning from heaven. If you've ever wondered what that was like, it's not something I would say any person would want to experience ever, but Isaiah 14 talks about it. It says, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, Lucifer is another name for Satan, son of the morning, how you're cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations, for you said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. You shall be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. That's what Scripture says about Satan. Jesus saw it happen. I don't know about you, but that's got to be monumental. Even in Revelation it says He swept a third of the angels with Him when He went. Ezekiel talks about it as well. And I think you'll remember these stories later when you read in Ezekiel 28 about that. And in in this chapter, at verse 12, we find the following words. It says, Son of man, take up the lamentation. Thus says the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden. The snake was in Eden. The serpent. We know this. Chapter 3, talking to Eve. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. He's talking about, remember they said the serpent was the most beautiful creature? It says every precious stone was your covering. He was covered with this, sardius, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, emerald, gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. He was beautiful and shiny and bright and glorious. And it said, you are the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created until sin or iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. You defiled sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your trading. Therefore I brought fire from your midst. It devoured you. And I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. All who knew you among the peoples are astonished at you. You have become a horror and you shall be no more forever. Jesus saw that happen. I think it was probably the most frightening event in history. But here they are saying, the demons are subject to us in your name. And he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Don't be excited that the demons are subject to you. This is not what this is about. What this is about is that you should rejoice, your name is written in the book of life in heaven. This is the true joy. The 72 thought that it was great for them to worship God and do things for God and see God's power through them. And therefore, God was great. And Jesus said that's not the best thing. Because it doesn't matter if your name isn't written in the book of heaven. The Lamb's book of life. This comes first. He didn't tell them to go and heal and cast out. If you read carefully, he said, go and proclaim the kingdom of God has come and you can be a part. This was their mission. They did not come back and say, we fed 5,000 people in a day to your kingdom, God. We brought 5,000 souls in. We are excited about how many people believe the gospel now. They said, look, we can heal the sick well, the sick are still going to die and be dead forever. But those whose names get written in the Lamb's Book of Life because of what you've done, that's something to shout about. How would you feel if you had the opportunity to say just a word that someone's name would be in eternity with Christ? He's given you the authority to speak in His name. Nobody can stop you from talking about Jesus. They can be offended, and let's hope they are. Because Scripture says if they don't have God, they will be offended at what you say. So you're talking to the right crowd. They're the ones that need you. Keep going. <laughs> oh, but you don't understand. They won't like me. They won't like you more if you didn't tell them they're in eternity without Christ. And you had opportunity Matter of fact, they'll say, "Why didn't you? Thought you were a believer. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't we tell our friends? Why didn't we tell our family?" Well, you know, I, I didn't have time. We have about seventy years, eighty years, ninety years, ninety-four years, ninety-five years, ninety-six years, seven years. You got time, but we just said. If we knew we could drive to Corsair's and get all those kids, he would do it. we got time to do that. So let's use that time that we're not doing for that and do this. That's the time we just set aside. That's ten hours minimum. Drive time included. That's ten hours. I bet it took longer to get a parking spot and go to the hospital than just ten hours. we got ten hours. What are you can do with the ten hours you were going to do that? Because you already know you're not going to do that. But you said you would. So I've just got you 10 hours of time. How about that? Isn't that amazing? You've committed the 10 hours to do the Corsairs thing and you know you can't do it. And I don't think that's why you committed to it because you couldn't. You committed to it because you said if you could, you would. Well, this is bigger. This is lives in eternity. And Jesus says, rejoice over that. The 72 were excited about seeing God work through them, but they would not have experienced it had Jesus not sent them. But the greater joy for them is they belong to God. How close do you feel to God right now? Communion is an invitation to get close. To stay close. To touch the foot of the cross. Humbly thanking Jesus for including you in the Lamb's book of life. And then asking Him to please send you out to serve and bring another to the foot of the cross. Just one. He's only asked you to find one. Just one. Not a whole hospital full, just one person. Pray for them. Lift them up. Bring them to the foot of the cross in prayer and then share with them Christ. Now, remember, I asked at the beginning of this message how well you served God this week on a scale of 1 to 10, whether it was up or down, and if you could, have done more. Nobody, including me, raised their hand saying, we've done all we could. All of us realized we could do more. And the heartbreaking part is, is now that I'm asking you how will you serve Him this week, you may not ask for Him to send you. You may not come to this table of communion and say, God, thank You for the blood and body of Christ. Now how can I be the same for the world? How will you serve Jesus Christ this week? How will you tell others? Let them know He's real. This is our task as believers to share the good news. This is why I think this passage is so much more important than chapter 9 when He sent the 12 apostles out. He sent 72 different people Not the apostles. And they went out. Not ones who'd been with Him all the time. Just 72 people who were there with Him and said, you, 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 you go. This is your instruction. Go do it. They don't have names. They're not Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Judas, Bartholomew, They're not the twelve. They're not known. But Jesus said, you are sent. Go. If you were standing there on that day, and Jesus looked at you and said, I'm sending this person, I want you to go with Him. Would you go? The answer is 72 said yes. Our conference two years ago said 72 and one more, that's you. Will you go? Will you go with one other? Will you take someone with you? How will you serve him this week? How will you move that number up? How will you get to the point where you say, I've done all I can do this week for him? I have done all I can do. If you don't know how to serve God, when you come for communion today, it's time to ask Him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I repent on my behalf and on our church's behalf for us not doing all we could do. And we've made an exception for certain things that are grand and glorious, but we've left out the menial small task of not doing the things that are required. Praying, studying Your Word, lifting up the brother, coming before Your throne in prayer on behalf of the broken and and ministering to the broken and needy around us. Heavenly Father, we all have admitted, including myself, I didn't do all I could do last week. I wouldn't even know where You would put my number on a scale of 1 to 10. But I know, Heavenly Father, that you would look at it and say, I'll take what you got, come to me, find rest for your soul, and I'll show you the task I have for you this week. God put us to work for your kingdom this week. There are lives that are still broken. We still have 400 people within four miles of this church that do not know you. They're still not Church, Heavenly Father, and they think in the most tragic ways it's okay. Heavenly Father, forgive us for thinking that's okay too. Forgive me as well. Let us again be a church of transformation for our region and our community and never let go of that. Heavenly Father, when we come to the communion today, I ask you to pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon the gifts of the bread and the fruit of the grape, that it would be for us the body and the blood of Jesus Christ that we would stand as one with Him and walk forward from this place filled with Your Holy Spirit, anointed for Your Gospel work. God, this is my prayer this morning. I ask You to anoint us as a church not for just good works, but for good voice, for good testimony. For it is the Word that brings forth faith, not the deed. That the faith comes by hearing, Heavenly Father, give us the voice and the confidence to speak it today, and the boldness to offend this world that doesn't know You. I ask You this in the name of Jesus. Amen. This morning, as we prepare for Holy Communion.